the sprinkles starting to come in and wash the thin layer of grime from the smokestacks of the city. And as we push closer towards the street level, we see an interesting group. Not only are outlaws, however, they are also in tow with another group, the Gilded Gunners, decked out in gold, decorative accessories all over their body. Cufflinks, buttons, keychains, even suspenders with gold, like lacing. Immediately, anyone would pick them out as being gaudy as all hell, and they wouldn't be wrong. But they find themselves traveling by foot across the city, across Alcanstar, toward the Gilded Halls, their secret headquarters, where recently Saruk has strong-armed, we'll say, the current leader, Sabora Sharkosa, into taking our outlaws to their home with hopes of acquiring one Ambrose Mugland. Behind them, the steaming kingdom in disarray as they have, some people might say, kidnapped the Gilded Gunners from, from where they were. Others with a more lenient vocabulary might just say, they asked nicely and with pointed teeth. So we find ourselves pulling in close, the group mostly trudging along in silence, and we see the root walking, keeping an eye on the whole situation. There is a jaguar summoned at his side, walking along, that has a very concerned look on its face as it kind of looks up at Saruk, back at the outlaws trailing behind, and forward at the very deadly silent and focused Charcosa leading the pack. Kijak sort of looks up. Saruk, I hope you know what you are doing. Fake it till you make it has been the mood since we got here. I know enough. To break the edicts of Majagua so openly, is it worth it? I guess we'll see. I don't think there's anything I could have said politely to have had that end in anything other than a bloodbath. A bloodbath that I was on not the good side of. He nods and he looks. Let us hope we've avoided a bloodbath and not walked ourselves into one. Yeah, let's do that. He kind of like gets a little sullen and quiet. He sort of like locks back into step with you. You know, the camera pulls back a little bit with the rest of the outlaws, and you guys kind of have a moment to reflect on. We haven't had a moment for you guys to sort of interact and reflect on what's happened yet, but I'll give you guys a moment as we cross Alkenstar towards the Gilded Halls. You see, Reptile, it would have only been a bloodbath like they were talking about. I know you want to shower, but they don't do showers. They only do baths. I have no idea what you're saying because you're talking to yourself your inner monologue complaining still sorry, about that sorry. end bath. I've heard about that place for a while now, and it was a bit off off limits. So, you know, I figured we'd have at least a few minutes to spend in there before, you know, things went haywire. Blood bath I was kind of expecting, but maybe after the regular bath. Wouldn't you want to do it in the other direction? Blood bath, then wash it off with the regular bath? Bye. Got a cigarette. 
Of course. Here you go, friend. Tap it out and hand it over to... So, I mean, we're, we get mugged and then what? Refugio, then, then what? Do we go on our merry way? We don't kill him. Killing him perpetuates the cycle that gets us nowhere. You know, for how big you are, you sneak up on us quite a bit. I've been walking right next to you this whole time. They heard the conversation about the bullet bath looks over to, <laughs> to Hal. He's right. I think you were too busy looking over to them fingers on the other side, but couldn't imagine why. What do you mean we don't? I mean, what are we going to do? Turn him in. Love us will just turn him loose the second we do. Yeah, I'm still working that out. Mugland is part of getting us all off the collective hook. Mugland hopefully leads us to Loveless. It's complicated. It's complex. At the end of it, hopefully there's a better future for this place. I mean, if you can't pay Sharkosa, you probably can't pay Loveless anyways. Unless, you know. This is true. He goes to open mic night to hear her sing. What does that sound like? I can only imagine. Sharkosa singing? Loveless singing. Hmm. I could almost hear it in my head. No, no, you can't. I thought you were going to start with a ballad. <laughs> I spare everyone that atrocity. Good. So, Ruffy, are you going to at least going to give Mugland a chance to speak or are you just going to outright kill him the, the the minute you see him? Again, you're not we can't kill him. I won't let you kill him. I understand there is several pounds of nuance here, but it can't end that way. There's a bigger picture here. Yeah, speaking of pounds, he, need, he owes people money. We gotta find out why he owes money. I know he owes you some things too. This I agree with, but it can't end. And violence perpetuates violence, perpetuates violence, and it's a cycle. And it affects people in cruel and unusual ways. Mm. Out and outcast to society. Wait, what were y'all planning? None of y'all were planning on killing him. No. My only concern was you this entire time. I could care less about Mugland. This is true. This is just some other... <laughs> Does anyone in the party speak Orkish out of character? In Orkish, Saruk says capitalist asshole. Gesundheit. Yeah. Another cog in the machine that doesn't matter. Oh, I understand. I wonder how, why he's so broke. There's so much. Doesn't this man refresh my memory? When we met. Oh, well, we broke into his bank account. Maybe we're why he's broke. Almost <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, wasn't he already broke when we uh look into his bank accounts though that's what i remembered yeah i believe you're right and this has been weeks i mean how would he grow bro go broke questions we can ask him when we get him like his search for pyronite maybe maybe trying to develop it himself blatant gambling addiction mm. salt from the desert mm. i mean i didn't pay too much attention to all those numbers so yeah. We will figure it out. We will. There must be a solution that is good for the four of us and is good for Alkin Star. We will figure it out. You guys have, the, by now, you've managed to cross over the raging Ustradi River that runs through the heart of Alkin Star that splits Skyside from Smokeside, a 
clear divider between those who have and those who have not. And um, as you kind of cross cross over one of the dual bridges, you kind of like see the ships and the the industry passing below you, things bringing goods in, boats carrying goods out of Alkenstar you know, cross over into the well-known Ferris Quarter, not too far from where the Barrel and Bullet Saloon actually is, as she continues to sort of guide you through the now familiar streets where you guys have been spending a lot of your time recently. I think Rafi's a bit perplexed by this revelation from the group. Walks, kind of distances himself from them a bit and walks up closer with towards uh, Charcosa. As you kind of come up on her, she kind of gives like a backwards glance in your direction and there's a, there's this faintest hint of like an eye roll. You know, I figured we'd always meet one of these days. Definitely wasn't expecting it like this. Well, I thought I'd miss my chance. Word on the street was you've been out of the game for some time. I wouldn't say out. Let's just say biding my time. What was that name they had for you? The one that would strike fear into those who would cross Mugland? Uldork? Something like that. Uldrok. The demon. Right. And what did they say about the Gildered Gunners? You always got your jo- did your job. You always held your contract. That Sharkosa was a woman of her word. The fastest gun in Alkenstar, supposedly. I mean, I never claimed to be the fastest gun in Alkenstar, but perhaps we'll find out before the day is out. Maybe. I mean, seems like the rest of that was a bunch of rumors and hearsay anyway, so I bet none of it was true. It is always unfortunate when the man cannot live up to the myth she looks back past you at Saruk this is the lot you've aligned yourself with just feels like feels like you could do better I don't know they seem to have gotten you in quite a pinch haven't they even surprised me a bit I mean steaming kingdom is holy ground I thought I was dealing with well, I, to be quite honest, I thought I was dealing with the famous Uldrak. <laughs> you you were dealing with a cop? <laughs> yes. Yes, I see that now. The great Sharkosa. Undone by a cop. Perhaps. Or perhaps I have you right where I want you. And she smiles. Come on, right up here. And she rounds like one corner and you find yourselves basically just a few blocks essentially from the barrel of bullet and something that wouldn't take more than like a 10 or 15 minute jaunt from where you're, where Phoebe sort of makes her home. And she nods up at a sort of blacksmithing shop up ahead. She says, we're almost home. He actually does care about you, you know. Rook the Rook. Eh. It's a bit, gr- a bit greener on the tusks, but he does. She shakes her head absently. No, no, no. 
Mugland, when he heard I was going to meet you, he he made me promise not to not to harm you. Probably wanted to do it himself. Probably. Love makes us do crazy things. You guys kind of find yourself standing at the entrance to the gilded halls. So you find yourselves basically at a nondescript looking blacksmith. It feels like you're almost being toyed with or played with because this is not a secret base or a hideout. It's just a smithy. Doesn't even really have like a proper name on it. She sort of nods and pulls up her hood because the rain has started coming down like pretty heavy by this point making it like everyone started to get soaked to the bone and then she says all right then inside and her and her crony sort of go into the uh the smithy i'll follow closely behind her yeah me too i just turn towards everyone and say just keep alert always Hal, you've, you've seen this from the outside before because this is the same place that you were led to earlier. And you do see that, like, um, you kind of go inside. Everyone gets in. There is the sort of, like, bell rings on the smithy. The smithy who's, like, working kind of looks up, sees Charcosa, and does, like, almost like a little, like, honorable bow or some sort of, like, some sort of gesture that obviously is a sign of respect amongst the Gilded Gunners. But he kind of pauses, like, halfway as he looks up as you guys kind of come in behind and she just gives him a nod and the man sort of eyeing you sort of moves over to the side of the shop where there's this long like rug that sort of covers the floor and he like literally like sort of like rolls it like drags it over and just half a rolls it up and it shows there's like basically a secret trap door here in the floor of the smithy and uh, he bends down and kind of goes around the edge and catches a latch and opens it giving a ladder that leads like straight down and Charcosa just sort of says ladies first and then she sort of descends first down the rungs of the ladder and you can see looking down it doesn't go down very far but there is a sort of hidden underground for lack of a better term fortress here beneath the smithy right in the ferris quarter I'll look towards the the blacksmith and I'll tell him friend don't stop keep hammering he nods kind of confused at this but um, he does sort of go back to his work but he's definitely side eyeing a lot of you uh, looking around I mean it looks like a fully functional workshop with a for forge and an anvil and blades and stuff for sale mostly uh, not really blades so much I mean they're is mostly looks like it's around um, uh, like horse husbandry and uh, horseshoes, bridles, things of that nature, things that is mostly focused towards like the industry here in Augustar more than like an open weaponsmith or anything like that. Huh. Would you look at all this stuff? I didn't even know horses got married. Saruk is going to go down the ladder. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> It does look like the rest of these Gilded Gunners are, you know, so Sorcros has already gone down. The rest of the Gilded Gunners are here, just kind of like narrowing their eyes at you and waiting for you guys to kind of go down. So Saruk goes ahead and goes first. I want to stay close to Sorcros, so I think I would kind of go right after 
I'll go right behind Saruk. Saruk, where'd you go? Abdul! I fell in the pit. It's a trap! <laughs> but yeah, like one by one, you can easily descend down, like Hal and Saruk and then Anita. So, Refi, you're kind of the last one left up. The three of them, like, sort of grinning at you, eyeing, eyeing your weapon, eyeing their own. You can see they're looking at you. The kind of whispers between them. You have a bit of a reputation that precedes you here. I'll just give him a wink. I try to take Bosani, so. It is a ladder, so there is the sort of like, you guys are coming down. Um, but once you go down, you can see like, basically one of them kind of descends behind you and the other two stay up and sort of like, you hear the trapdoor sort of close above and then like the lock, like latch again. And the, the dragging of the rug as it covers it back up. As we're descending down and I reach the bottom and I assume it's a little bit dark here before we head into the hallway. There is pockets of darkness here, although they do have burning oil lamps down here that sort of at least give it dim light with pockets of darkness. I'll uh, lean into Sharkosa and say, don't get any good ideas. You will never see me coming. I mean, this is a bit of a coercion here. More than it's, it's not really demoralized so much, but it's on the like coercion scale. I just want to see if you can give me like a sort of intimidation where we can see how intimidating you're coming across to Sharkosa. Do I get any kind of status or circumstance bonus because I disappear into the dim light of the shadows? We can give you, because you are very obviously here in the dim pockets of light, you are saying how you can't be seen. Yeah, you know what? I'll give you a plus one circumstance bonus for shadows. Just to show again, this is our Sabora Sharkosa artwork. Intimidate plus one won't matter. All right, seven. Not hitting probably as hard as you would have liked. You're not as intimidating as Saruk apparently with his freaking like 19s and 20s all last session. She she takes what you say and you are sort of doing this sort of like disappearing thing, but it doesn't rattle her. And the only response she gives is she kind of like snickers to herself and laughs. Is oh honey. You're in my playground now. As she kind of goes to the the door, like nearest, not the nearest door, but she kind of turns here and she like opens the door and sort of like gives you guys like a motion to follow her. And you can see that she's heading down this sort of dimly lit hallway towards a well-lit room. It opens up into a fairly nice looking dining hall, like a sort of meeting room. In this room specifically, there's a nice a nice bright light. There's a large table, padded chairs, nice luxurious chairs, fills the center. The walls are decorated with paintings. I, a little odd, but it's very calm pastoral scenes, stuff you wouldn't normally find in Alkenstar. On the Western wall, there's this really nice looking carved sideboard and it's got covered in like small golden, like trinkets, trophies and sculptures. You can see there's doors that kind of lead out in in multiple directions. She kind of steps into the room and motions for you all to go ahead and like take a seat. And then she slides into like the seat at the head of the table, whispers to one of the sort of cronies that kind of followed the back you guys in behind to fetch a pitcher of, of ale and some snacks for their guests. 
two of them sort of nod and head off to some of the the kitchen stores to get you guys a little bit of refreshments. So Sharkosa sort of with her like wet, muddy boots sort of leans back in her chair and puts them on the table, like kicks them up and they sort of cross and her her like it like gets a little bit of mud on the table and she sort of reclines back. I'm assuming you guys all take seats or are you guys just standing awkwardly behind the chairs like what do you guys do right she kicks back she, she invites you guys to sit down and she like kicks her feet up and just sort of re- looks very relaxed I think Saruk is gonna sit but as we're doing so this feels vaguely like sit down while we get everybody to shoot you so I would like to sense me some motive if I could sure you can give me a secret sense motive check already and today and for the rest of this level I feel like my leads are Charcosa and Muglin so I will say what you sense is is not necessarily like the immediate like you're about to be set up to be shot but you are feeling a bit of the fact that Charcosa is you know it, as as opposed to catching her on her back foot catching her you know, in a birthday suit in a bathhouse and getting the drop on her, she looks a lot more relaxed and comfortable at home. But you don't get the immediate suspicion that she's about to gun you down. This isn't like, let's let's set them up and then immediately if someone's going to bust through the door and gun you guys down. You actually feel like this is a legit sit-down negotiation talk. Ruffy doesn't sit. He leans up against the wall. Annie would like to take a seat, but she would also like have a like a smoke stick on one hand just in case. What's Hal doing? Hal will sit down. I think he takes his copa shell and he puts it into the crease where the door meets the door jam, just so it can't be pushed open from the other side. And it's easily accessible as it's probably eye level as he sits down. He just slams it in there. And- kind of jammed right in there nice and tight so she says sort of nonchalantly where do we go from here as we discussed you give us Mugland we will see to it that Mugland pays you back what he owes you and then we go our separate ways never to see one another again it's simple it's quite simple. We don't tell anybody about your contract. Contract is failed because it pays you. And you keep your good name. And maybe we do business down the line. The problem <laughs> is we'd know. Do you have any idea what it takes to be in my position? The stress that comes with maintaining some semblance of control over hooligans and then she kind of like drifts her eyes towards Refi a bit and then says well maybe you do yeah control over what lurks in the shadows or the darkness of the night Alconstar in a nutshell yes I do can we at least agree on one thing neither side here wants any bloodshed enough blood has been spilled 
I was going to disagree with you on the grounds that the Gilded Gunners have fired upon us on two separate occasions, and many people are dead because of it. But, yes, enough has been spilled. No, never getting any kind of bath today. I don't have a problem with you taking Muglin off my hands, per se. He's hired me for a job. That job is in motion, and it will be completed by the day's end. Once that job is complete, in theory, his debts will have been settled. But if you would like to expedite the process and you're willing to settle his debts now, we can start there. Muglin didn't really have enough to pay you. He did not. We took this job on consignment, shall we say. Did he offer some any sort of like collateral in case he wasn't going to be able to pay you? Presumably that is why he is here right now. Is that it? Partially correct. He did put down a considerable sum of gold to get our attention. You don't hire us without a retainer. I'm not that foolish. But I found when you're doing business with someone, so long as you're willing to keep a key person close by in your care it usually makes things go smoother for both sides so they don't get any funny business so Mugland was offered up as a bit of collateral and for the assassination of Olamon Kosawana yes you know so much Saruk how is Kosawana doing I, I think it is success. If you were shooting over my perception DC, my perception DC is 24 versus her, what with pursuing a lead. So. There's no sense that she's like lying or doing anything. She just seems genuinely interested in asking about Kosawana. And she says, I assume that the death of Kosawana is non-negotiable from your end. No, he lives. He's done nothing wrong. Interesting, because I was just told yesterday that it was done. In Alkinstar, well, you know, I'm not going to preach to you about your own damn city. You've shot at us twice. You've sent people to try to have us killed twice. I did not expect to be shooting straight with you at all. I expected to walk into a bathhouse and walk out with holes in me. That's an interesting way of putting it. I've sent one set of people to send a message... That message was to steer clear. No intent of killing you. Because if the Gilded Gunners want you dead, generally speaking, you end up dead. Next time, maybe they shouldn't shoot for vital organs then. Alas, the second assassin you're talking about, I must admit, they might have gone a little rogue. The directions were not to explicitly murder you. They might have gotten a little creative in their parameters of their mission. And several people are dead because of it. You know what? While we're waiting here... Several people are dead in your wake as well. There is blood spilled. It's the way of the city. 
there is. What is the policy of someone who lives in this city and who is managing a very large organization in regards to these people? We have nothing to do but wait for food and drink. Satiate my curiosity, would you? I think by this point, they're definitely like kind of passing out cups, pitchers of ale on the table, and even have brought out like a whiskey bottle and some shot glasses so you guys can help yourselves to whatever you would so desire. And there's like a sort of spread, not anything as fancy as you would get in the Barrel and Bullet Saloon. It's mostly like like a trail mix, a little bit of like nuts and some granola and a very small amount of like grapes. Not even raisins, just like grapes that have been sliced small and sprinkled throughout. Interesting question that I don't know the answer to. What is, if I, without saying anything out loud or asking, if I wanted to determine if any of this had been poisoned, what's the role for that? So like, craft? Ting? Well, you, you probably don't have food lore, I assume, but you do have cooking. Do you have cooking? Not today. Today I'm legal lore and underworld lore for when dealing with these guys and for when we get arrested. I'm just going to say it's probably a... Is, there might be a specific skill for it. If any of you know it, feel free to call it out. But otherwise, it's probably just going to fall into like a sort of either a seek action or like a, just a straight recall knowledge on... How do you feel about sense motiving the people who are bringing the food? Yeah, I'm fine with sense motive just in the situation. That, that, that works for me. So this is presumably not pointed at Charcosa, so there's not the pursue lead here. Question marks. Yeah, as you're uh, looking over, the the gilded gunners that are bringing you the food are a little bit more tense than Charcosa. They themselves are also like pouring and drinking, and Charcosa has reached out for the mug and has poured herself. We'll just say she's poured herself a shot of whiskey. Even the gilded gunners you watch is like one of them has like casually like grabbed a little bit of nuts and snacked on it. They don't seem to be giving off the impression that they're attempting to pull one over on you or poison you. I think if they're eating and drinking as well, that's probably enough. So Saruk will down a shot. They definitely know the routine of like bringing someone that you're not necessarily friends with into their home and like going through the routines of we drink first, we eat first to prove that we're not trying to poison you. There's a lot of like unspoken underworld rituals going on here that oddly mirror probably like high noble rituals as well. Funny how that works. Charcosa gets a little like pocketbook she has out. She says, so if you're interested in buying out Muglin's debt, so to speak, we're looking at just a tad under 2,500 gold. I see. I'm just flipping through the... It's wild. I feel like I should have asked this question at the beginning of the campaign, but I feel like in assets, Mugland probably has that. I, but I don't know shit for nothing about this man, but I think Saruk might. Yeah, I mean, you could probably know what you've heard about him, at least. I mean, you know that he's a businessman. You know that he owns illicit bank. You know, Ruffy has talked potentially about some of... How much have you openly talked about Mug? I guess you haven't, right, Ruffy? Only recently to, to Saruk, m- more to to Annie, and mo- mainly just general warnings about him. And... If you'd like for Saruk, you can have him do a sort of lore, whether that's an Alcastar lore or an Underworld lore, yeah, something in that we'll nature. Huck the Underworld and lore. You have Mugland as a lead, so you definitely studied up on him. The third time, here's some question marks. I mean, everything you know about Mugland seems to point to him being a super successful businessman. 
super successful criminal, you find it hard to believe that he wouldn't have, if that's the debt he owes, for him to not be able to just pay it in lieu of being here seems odd to you. I struggle to believe that isn't walking around money for the man. I think I can talk it out of him. Oh, you'd like to speak with the prisoner? Yeah. Like we discussed, you bring us here, we take Mugland, I'll get the money, and then we go our separate ways. We're now on the next step. Bring us Mugland, please. Well, I can't quite bring him to you, but I can do the next best thing. I can take you to him. Sure, why not? She nods and she sort of stands up from her chair and and says, if you please follow me. And uh, she sort of leads you sort of out of the back of this this room. She gets up and she sort of leads her out of the room. Ruffy, Hal, Anita, you're kind of left here. I'm definitely going to wave for the team as I'm going. Uh, Anita turns to Ruffy after hearing like how much Muglin owes and she says, it's bad that Muglin couldn't pay 2,000 gold considering all the real estate and the bank and I never knew that he was that broke. 2,000 gold, you'd think he'd have more. I was never let in on the complete inner workings. Never let in on the business side. He's thrown parties that must have cost more than that. And doesn't he have that huge house up at, like, I forgot what it's called, like, where the fingers are at. Like, that's where he was thrown, right? Wait, are we not going with Saruk? We are. Says Saruk, who is again standing very close to you. Sharkosta seems to be a little annoyed at this situation, but sort of um, allows it to happen. Doesn't like stop it from happening, but you can see that she rolls her eyes as you insist on all coming. I think before, once Sharkosta is out the room, but before Saruk steps out, I'm gonna like lean into Refi. Get whatever you need to out of your system. Yell at him, hurt him if you must. Don't kill him. And just nod. Refi just pour it pours a shot of whiskey, downs it, pours another shot of whiskey, and downs it. <laughs> you ready for this, Ruffy? Let's go see Dad. All right. You sort of lead through these, like, sort of tunnels from this nice meeting room. Uh, you can tell that the room that you guys have been in is sort of presented in a over-the-top way. It's definitely there to entertain guests. And as you step here, you start feeling like you're more in that sort of, you know, an underground hidden la- lair that's not as well upkept. And as you kind of come down this like twisting sort of hallway, it comes around the corner and you see a sort of prison, a set of iron bars dividing this hallway into a single cell with a latching latch door. This hallway sort of extends. There's a door at the end, but your eyes are focused on the man who is sort of right now rolled up corner, like knees up in his chest, laying on a really, really shitty cot with like broken straw and stains everywhere blood stains on the floor as like Sharkosa kind of gives a whistle kind of rolls over and looks at the lot of you okay out of character I didn't realize there were toe rings oh my god <laughs> yes that's so that yeah that, so that we'll leave this one up for a second while I look for the other one this is this is a classy muggling in the way that Refi remembers him right you guys kind of step into the room and you see kind of rolled over a miserable-looking halfling man. His face 
is like kind of bruised. He's got like a black eye. There's like a busted lip on him. His clothes look sort of dirty, torn, stained a little bit. And his hair is just kind of in this disheveled mess. And laying in a cell before you, Saruk and Co. is none other than the legendary Ambrose Mugland. And I think as you kind of walk in, he looks kind of at you and past you a little bit of panic in his face, but his eyes are like searching wildly in the room. And then I think kind of bringing up the, the, the rear of the group is Reficule. You see as his eyes look at you, they go a little bit wide, almost as if he's seen a ghost. It's Reficule's reaction. He just stares doesn't say anything for the moment. What are you saying about <laughs> wanting muggling feet pics, Tom? Don't worry about it. Don't, don't oh, we're live it. again. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Welcome back to Outlaws of Alcatraz Cradle of Quartz. We are in the end game here as our outlaws have come face to face with none other than Ambrose Mugland. I'll tell you what I didn't do at break was listen to Irish accents. Mugland. All right, second break. This man's going to go listen to insert. Just imagine that you have something up your throat. <laughs> I guess. Some, something in my throat? I don't know. Wow. I, I wow. can't do it. Sean it's Connery going to be. That's Sean Connery is Scottish. Sean Connery is yes. Scottish. Yeah, yeah those were more <laughs> out here gaslighting. I'm sorry, I guess I just can't do it. I, I can't yet. So fucking, you just got to harness the power of Tiny Tommy. I just the got to treasure. Oh, yeah, the tiny tummy. That's right. I forgot about the tiny tummy. God, how am I going to take this man seriously if he has this bad of a Tiny tummy in Mugland. There we go. Okay, that's that's what we're going for now. I'll just roleplay both of them. It'll be fine. It won't be weird at all. And I closed it right before we went live. Here we go. So uh, this is the nice, uh, nice full artwork of Ambrose Mugland beating up his suit uncharacteristically torn he's got you know a bloody lip cut on his face a little bit of bruise it looks like he's been roughed up quite a bit in here he sort of rolls out of his rolls out of his uh, cot kind of comes to the bars and he like grips it and he's like looking silently at the, the whole group of you like in the room so I guess First things first, I have a second one of these because I bought a second one of these on the grounds that I was going to need more than one. First was for Charcosa, the second is for now. I'm going to imbibe the second Silver Tongue Mutagen. I guess... I feel like if Saruk takes a knee, Saruk is still head and shoulders taller. So I guess I'm just going to sit on the floor, whatever is, like, as close to, like, eye level as I can get to the man bad day there's so much pressure on on the the voice i just showed you 30 seconds ago i can't do it and yet we're expecting we're expecting the tiny tommy to come out you had a fucking month man that just sounds like a bad indian accent like, it does sound like a bad indian accent which is terrible because it's like the other side of the world that's the worst thing ever okay <laughs> fucking richard <laughs> Accents are one thing that I will never get. I, 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 I'm i going to quit jamming and I'm going to learn accents for like 10 years and then I'll come back. 
go to acting school, come back, play D and D. Actually, the weird thing is, three weeks ago, I was actually better at it, and then I lost it over the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's probably a lie. What the fuck are you doing here? I'm Tiny Tommy, bitch. This is a very serious moment for Ruffy. That is true. This this is counterpointed by a very serious moment for Ruffy. So you, you could just like if like Muglin doesn't need to have an accent if he can't pull the accent off. We can all like convert it oh. in our heads. Like I think no, Tony no, always no. cares. You've asked for this, and you're by God gonna get it. <laughs> all right, I've changed my mind. I've changed my tack. We kill it now. <laughs> what we're doing here is the next question. First question, bad day. You could say that it's one of the uh, one of the worst I've had. You're one of the richest men in Alkenstar. How can you not? And then I'll nod over to where Charco says, "How can you not afford to pay her back?" I, I've told her. Loveless is gonna bring the money any minute. She's coming with it. Any minute? How long have you been here? <laughs> Son, what's so funny? How far we've both fallen. There's a bit of sweet irony that uh, you've walked in to be so obviously double-crossed by Loveless. (laughs) Oh, no, that's that's not right. We're partners, her and I. She's coming, I swear it. Strong bond, eh? Swear in one hand and shit in the other. Which one fills up faster? You're not that dumb. Come on. He looks at his hands for a second. Wang off, like imagining shitting in one hand. No, it's, it's all just a misunderstanding. We'll, we'll, we'll get out soon enough. I'll be back on top. You don't honestly believe that, do you? Well, I mean, it was your meddling that got me here. Go on. I'm all ears. At every step along the way, you've come and you've hamstrung us. But whose was the first step? You are... This is the worst guns don't kill people argument I've heard in my entire life. Have we hamstrung you? Yes, but that's because you're trying to hurt people. You robbed my fucking bank. That money wasn't exactly legal either, was it? Well, that's neither here nor there. Gold is gold. Is it... Is it really? It is. Even Charcosa's over there kind of nodding like, yeah, gold is gold. This is like, why are you the way that you are over at Charcosa? And Muglin's like, did, it, did did the plan work at least? And he's like directing his questions at Charcosa and she sort of shrugs. She's like, still underway. And then she kind of gives you the nods to let you take back over because she's not trying to take over the conversation. She just is answering his questions. Again, how long have you been waiting for Loveless to bail you out? By the look of your clothes, it's been days. I, I mean, she's she's a little busy. Mm-hmm. And by the look of the rest of you, I'm assuming, and then looks over at Charcosa. And I looked at you all laughing, and I lost the whole bit. By the look of you, you're not having a great time here. You haven't been unkind to this man, have you, Charcosa? I would never be unkind to a business partner. Then I'll assume he roughed himself up. Yeah, he, he he's he's confused and he's just like, so what? Are you here to fucking kill me? No. 
Killing you solves nothing. If I kill you, there will be ten more of you tomorrow when whoever inherits your... I wave generally outside. Or better phrase, when whoever gets the scraps then pulls their way to the top. So then what? What What are we doing here? Son! And he like kind of like addresses you, Reficule. What are we doing here? Get me out. Who are you calling for? Calling for my boy. Right now, we're worried about you. You want us to get you out. Between the four of us, we don't... I, uh, oh, let's hold it right there, big guy. I never once asked you to get me out. You came in here asking to get me out. Loveless, she's coming. Did you not literally just say, son, get me out? Your exact words? I mean, I assumed he was here to get me out. If he's not here to get me out, and he's not here to kill me... I assumed it was one of the two. You know what? This is not how I thought this would go. You have officially piqued my interest. Let's say we can get you out of here. What benefit does that serve the four of us? Money? I don't know. What is it you even want? I. Let's start there. What is it that's gotten such a bug up your ass that you can't let it go? And Saruk leans back against the wall, doesn't say anything, leaves the space open. And Refi walks out. Muglin, you see him go, and for a moment, Saruk, you see, like, a genuine pained look on Muglin's face before he's able to sort of, like, stoically push his emotions back down. And he kind of, Muglin sort of steps back and just sits on the edge of the cot. Love this thing coming. She's not coming. She's not loyal to you me to anybody she's she's just not gonna come i'm sorry but i knew her pretty well we were we were pretty close she's not coming to bail you out she has her own agenda and she doesn't care who she steps on or steps over and the people you are trying to step on are how did you put it Foiling you at every turn, and there will be more turns. Turns at which you will be foiled. The cycle that you have caught yourself in has put you in, forgive me, Sharkosa, a rundown jail cell underneath a blacksmith. How the mighty have fallen, indeed. Maybe you should consider other options. Maybe you should consider getting yourself out. Maybe you should consider... How quickly could somebody like you get all of that wealth back if you just paid up your debts? You guys have been conversing for a bit. You're, you're making some pleas to him. He's got, at this point, he's already got like a pretty negative disposition towards you all just based on everything that's happened in this campaign, including all the way back to the prequels. So we're going to say he's already sort of in an unhelpful attitude. But why don't we go ahead and start with and make an impression to see if you're able to at least get him to consider your words. Okay. Master at Diplomacy, the highest mod it could be right now. An item bonus, a circumstance bonus. I just want to roll as good as I did last time. A 31 is a good place to start, I feel like. A 31. So you've basically managed to turn him from unhelpful into neutral. He's no longer actively hating you you've you've managed to at least get him to see that perhaps there is some truth to your words right as much as he doesn't want to admit it 
you see him his sort of hardened exterior melts just a bit not he's not helpful he's not friendly but he's no longer unhelpful he's no longer like in that negative attitude towards you so you see him sort of like almost like a little kid like dangling his feet off the edge of the bed his little toe rings and his black haired feet kind of dangling there so then what is it you want from me peace to not be wrapped up in a plot to stop something that is inevitable to do the slightest amount of good in this city those are high lofty goals and I don't think I'm going to grab all of them and we're going to try how like like why do you need Lovelace why does she need you she runs this town we're in business together she and I like I'm I'm the money man and she's the uh the uh She's the muscle. You always need the muscle and the money, man. What if uh, you're the muscle and the money? Like, does she need you now? I had a muscle. And his eyes sort of drift towards where Ruffy's like left the room. Again, we can talk about that later. For now, I think you ought to consider what happens when the proverbial piggy bank that you are runs out of gold, which apparently you have because here you are. Listen, we had a plan, okay? It was get the formula and then we're rich it was it, it, temporary setback right we start sometimes you got your your lowest before you're at your highest so you just got to hold on a little bit longer but as you're trying to convince him to sort of come to your side and see your point of view i will allow you to make a uh request like basically you're trying to request for him to help you what is it you're like in clear terms what is it you're trying to request of mugland I think the the end goal right now is to try to convince Muglin that the only cavalry that's coming is us and he's been abandoned by his partner. And so entrusting his fate in our collective hands is the wise or actually probably, frankly, the only play. I, will, I, I think that makes sense in the context of what's happening. So I will allow you to do a make a request roll. I feel like I'm going to use a hero point about that. That's a five on the dice for a 24. Be like that. Sometimes it'd be like that as you are trying to get him to come to your side and to see things your way. Unfortunately, the words, they don't seem to hit home. This is a man who spent his life in the criminal underworld, who spent his life, you know, trying to, to improve his status. And I think this talk and this notion of doing something right now can start and getting him to, to come along with you and you're his meal ticket doesn't actually break through and he just shakes his hand shakes his head sorry but I've got I still got some still got some rods in the flame so to speak I'll uh I'll take my chances and he sort of like kicks back on the bed glances over to Anita a palmy thinks that you already know Ambrose that Loveless isn't in your side I've never heard you fumble so much with your words until today Every minute, every moment that I've spoken to you, you had this aura of confidence. I always thought you were an asshole. But now it's just, you're pitiful. Because I think that you know that your biggest ally doesn't work with you anymore. And one of your biggest assets is over there sulking because you're, you're mean and you're rude. And I don't know. For someone who scares everyone else, 
Not to be rude, but you just seem so little. I will give you one last hope here. Manita, if you would like to make a diplomacy check, I'll make a request roll. Given that the previous failure, um, I think the DC is even a little higher than it would have been before, but there's always a chance. We're going to clue in. Plus one. Mm. Uh, Happy New Year. No. I'm going to use the okay. hero point. Four on the dice makes 15, which is going to be a, not a success. So let's hero point that up. Come on. Show me the money. 25? 25. There's a slight crack in the the steel sort of expression. And you, you see that you were very close to Nita at breaking through. But unfortunately... He just gives you like a nondescript shrug, rolls back over, and begins like whistling a song to himself. He's decided he's going to take his chances and wait for Loveless. And I think um, seeing the sort of the way the situation has has gone, uh, Charcosa nods. One of the bot, the like prison guards, to kind of come, and he's kind of sitting at through the door at the end, and he sort of appears, and she just tells him to keep an eye on the prisoner, and she kind of like tries to gently usher you guys back to the uh, the meeting room so you guys can discuss next steps. Okay. As Saruk is leaving, you want to get the formula for Pyronite or to what end? To have a monopoly on it so you can patent it and sell it to others? I cannot count on two hands the amount of people that I've met since I've come to Alkenstar who can figure that out on their own. You're fighting a losing battle against the arc of innovation. <laughs> There are not pocketbooks deep enough to stop this city. Saru will leave it at that. And Ambrose Mugland is left whistling to himself, whistling an old nursery rhyme that Refi, he's whistled to you countless times growing up. You're right there. He'd whistle that uh, usually after our lessons. Mm. Just hand on shoulder, Saru squeezes. And now he whistles it at the bottom of the barrel while you're walking out of here, a free man. Come on. As you sort of settle back into the uh, the room, Charcosa has poured herself another whiskey, and she's gone ahead and poured one for you, Saruk, and poured one for the rest of the outlaws as well. Not quite what you expected. What's that phrase about getting blood from a stone? Sometimes the man never lives up to the myth. I think that man measures up just fine. As you can see, he's obviously not been the most cooperative. You, as well as I know, Loveless is not coming. Alas, he still owes a debt, one that I cannot in good faith let him go before it's squared away. In a strange sense, I feel like that's good enough for me. There's a glance at all of the people who I haven't known for several months in this room. I'm very well aware of how outnumbered we are in this moment. And when we first met, I definitely had the sense you were going to harm me, but I think I misjudged you. My bias against this city bled out on you in a way that was not okay. And for what it's worth, I apologize. Go ahead and give me a persuasion check. And we're, we're basically, this is almost to see like how well your apology goes to see if she truly accepts it because no doubt about it she was 100% offended about how uh, things went down with, with you and her and 
the way that you look at all the street trash criminals in the city is exactly the way that she's looking at you right now. Yeah. She is the high and mighty Saruk in this relationship. That is not me looking at Twitch. Okay. 26 it is. Okay. I mean, 26 is, is definitely um, enough to, to get her to see through, to, to see the, to, you know, see the sincerity. You're, you're really sincere. And she says, the city is, has a habit of bringing out the worst in people. I understand. However, despite the fact that Mugland has a debt in gold, you and I, Saru, we still have a social debt, shall we say. My reputation on the streets is irrevocably tarnished now. So what you're saying is you want me to let you publicly kick my ass so Alkenstar will accept you as one of its own again? I mean, is that something that you are open to? There are so many other things I need to tie up. Ask me soon. But I won't leave Elkinsar until I find some way to make it up to you. Fair enough. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm coming to murder you. I just want you to know there is a debt. I understand. I am open to discussing next steps here. Okay, so cards on the table. I don't think Buglin's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah? Cards on the table? Mm-hmm. If all goes according to plan, his debt will be settled by the end of the night. You understand I have a problem with that. I understand, but I think that maybe you've misjudged exactly what our mission is. All right, tell me then. Let's just say the life or death of Olamon Kosawano, up until an hour ago, I believed was already dead, mind you, is not our current objective. What is then? A heist, a score based on settling Muglin's debts. A target, one that he chose, one that he has personal vendetta against, one that should have enough gold in their stores to square us up. So then at the end of the day, you're letting Muglin go? Of course. Assuming... He fulfills his end of the contract, and we get our payday, along with along with a little something else. A field test, as it were. Of... I think you know. Yeah, I was going to say Pyronite. Amazing stuff, that Pyronite. Right? Let's say we just happen to be outside the front door when the job is done and Muglin's a free man, and then we take him into custody. Problem with that? I'll do you one better stay here. The job should be done in any hour now. It's probably underway as we speak. When the job's done, I let him go into your custody. I've got no loyalty to Mugland. What exactly is the job? I 90% agree with this, but if it's going to hurt somebody that I care about or somebody who doesn't deserve it... No. Who cares what the job is? We can't let Mugland just leave here and get back his business. True, but say it's the barrel and bullet, for example. Sarouk never said he's leaving here. He's coming with us. Barrel and bullet? I have some friends who are staying there currently. I doubt Dunsmith has the kind of coin necessary to settle these debts. So who then? Again, cards on the table. suppose you can't do anything to stop us now. We were just there, but a few hours ago. The Steaming Kingdom. 
So we're attacking sacred ground to test a new weapon and take their money then. It was Muglin's idea. That tracks. I don't know enough about the management of the place, but I don't I don't have a working or friendly relationship with them. So I suppose that I don't care. Why don't you do me a favor, settle in. As soon as we're squared up, I'll let you know I have do have some business to attend to. Very well. She sort of stands up with like a little bit of a nod, sort of goes back through this back door. She goes and like the gilded gunner that's with her goes and this one kind of goes. Basically, they give you guys the room. You find yourself sort of alone in the middle of the gilded halls. So that didn't go as planned. If I'm honest with you, I think it went better. I suppose I could have brought more bacon. Man's more used to dealing with... Zerk doesn't finish the sentence, but the implication hangs. Just a bit confused here. You weren't willing to trust them to keep their word in the bathhouse. But now that we're smack dab in the middle of their hideout, you're willing to just let them keep their word, finish the job, let Muglin fulfill the contract, and everything's fine. If they wanted us dead, we'd have been dead 17 different ways since we come in here. Initially, when I'm meeting someone and all the information I have to go on is that time in the Temple of Bri, they tried to kill us, and that time in the Mana Waste, they tried to kill us. That's all I have, and I assume this is just another group of violent criminals who are just out to claw for a piece of the pie. In this context, there's more information. I don't don't like it. I'm not it's not work that I would do, but it's better than a lot of the city. And if I'm wrong and things go pear-shaped, then I will deal with that from there. But for now, this is what we have to work with. Muglin didn't want to listen to the fact that his friend, there's a air quote, isn't his friend at all and isn't coming to bail his ass out. Why are we trying to negotiate with Muglin? We aren't. Can he walk out of his cell on his own? Can he? I knock on one of the doors. The door opens and one of the gilded gunners just sticks their head in. Oh, Sarcosa, we need to talk. There's like a, a, a confused look and a nod and the door closes. What are you planning? Like you said, we're negotiating, aren't we? We are. If you're going to do something that escalates things in a negative way, I am not going to allow you to do that. Tell me what you're planning. Hold it. We're going to negotiate. Okay, how? Step one, what? You are intentionally leaving out information. Seeing what Charcosa wants, besides letting... Muglin finish this job and walk out with more gold and possibly Loveless coming here, and then them hiring the Golden Gunners to kill us all. Hang on, hang on. That's not what's happening. They're lifting that place so Muglin can pay his debt to Sharkosa, not so he can get more money. What if Loveless then actually does come? He's not getting money. They're getting money. They're pulling the job, and they're taking the cash. Ruffy has kind of a point, but I feel like if Loveless shows up, that's two rocks with one stone, and we can all walk out of here. Oh, I'm not walking out if Loveless comes in here. This implies she kills you. We walk out of here because there's a shootout, and I wasn't feeling great about it before, but I shot a dragon out of the sky in the mana waste. I think I can handle a crooked cop. This is true. And if I can't, the rest of you can pick up the slag for me. 
But I see your point, Rafi. Right at this point, as you're discussing this, the sort of far end door opens and Sharkosa like steps through, looking slightly annoyed at the interruption. I was told you had a request. I, you know, this whole waiting around is not really my style. People like us, we're people of action, aren't we? Sitting around waiting. It's not for us. So tell me, what would it take for you to let us walk out with Mugland now? You still continue your job, you get paid, and you don't have to deal with Mugland complaining down in your cellars, whistling bad nursery rhymes. There's got to be something. I suppose I have always wondered, Oldrock, which one of us had the fastest gun. Aye, so did Oldrock. Oldrock's dead. You can tell that to that little man downstairs. I'm Reficule. And we'll see who has the faster draw. The amount of cognitive dissonance that runs over Saruk's face as we are trying to organize this with violence that doesn't actually kill people. So what you're proposing is a test of skill between the two of us. Whatever you want to lay out. What, I'm asking you, what will it take to satisfy you to let us walk out with Mugland right here, right now? I mean, there's nothing in this underworld that settles disagreements more suck succinctly. Man, I thought you were just gonna say suck and leave it. <laughs> As a duel with stakes on the line, but you're asking for a lot, Ruffy. Reficule. She pointedly addresses you by the name that you requested, like showing that level of respect. Is he asking for a lot, though? You still get what you want. You don't have to listen to someone who can't whistle on key to save his mortal soul, apparently. Either way, you win. If if you win, you take Mugland, free and clear. What do I get if I win? What do you have to offer? Towards the group. My friend here owes you a social debt, does he not? He nods. If he loses, I'll pay it much faster. You said that your reputation was hurt. How would the reputation of the Gilded Gunners be if there weren't whispers of who was the faster draw between two rivals, but that the two fastest draws were working together? We win. I win. We walk out with Mugland. You win. I start buzzing around like a bumblebee. Don't quite get the bumblebee reference, but I'm in. And she kind of walks across the room, reaches out for a handshake. When she comes in, Saruk will whisper, it's the color of your uniforms. <laughs> what you and Charcosa have to decide, Refi, is... What are the parameters of this duel? Because it doesn't sound like this is a duel to the death, right? We're not playing to to killing blows, necessarily. As is custom, seeing as how Reficule brought up the proposition, it'll be up to Sharkosa to decide the parameters. Sure. She wants a duel to the death, Reficule is willing. But then that kind of negates part of that deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, I think what it'll be, standard fare in these sort of situations, is you duel until one side 
throws their weapon down and gives up. Either throws either gives up or is rendered unconscious and loses their weapon. That's that's the terms. We're not playing to first blood, we're not playing to like half health. We're playing until one side or the other is willing to give up. Give up or drop unconscious. Yep. If you if you drop low and drop unconscious. Yeah. There's there's no So the implication is there's no explicit killing blow, but if you're unconscious, there's nothing that could really stop it from happening, right? Except for mm-hmm. your allies and the situation around you. So, based on the terms of these deals, Char- Charcosa agrees, you know, basically invites you all to join her in the uh, their training hall, and she even gives the command for uh, Muglin to be brought to, to witness the duel as well. If you guys want, you can go ahead and follow her token as she leads you through the Gilded Halls, giving you guys a little bit peek into their kind of underground situation. You see they do have a full armory with, like, racks of weapons and stuff that she kind of has to lead through to get you guys to where you're going. And she opens the door down here. And they have a full-on... Like, it's a long martial arts gun range studio where... There's like training dummies. There's like all kinds of weaponry. Basically, this is where many of the Gilded Gunners, even as you walk in, there's like a handful of them and you can see them doing like katas and like being trained. They have like, not just like a mental discipline, but a physical discipline here. Ruffy, you feel slightly at home here. A bit better than an alley, that's for sure. They bring on one side of the room, they bring Mugland. They bring uh, the little, like, guard, like his personal guard outside his room. There's a handful of Gilded Gunners. Everyone, you know, once the word gets out, there's, like, a scene. It's like, Charcosa's going to duel. Charcosa's going to duel. And, like, the people are getting excited and whispers are going through the place. You know, they basically show up just to, like, witness what's going on. I'll give you guys a minute to sort of have a little pep talk and a plan. And then we're going to do a duel to see who is the fastest gun in Alkenstar. All right, Ravi, how honest do you want this competition to be? Because I think that I could maybe make something to make you faster. Nah, we'll see who's actually fastest. Right. What? Don't believe in me? No, I do. It's just... I mean, logically, there's there's a 50-50% chance that you... You get out of here all black and yellow. Never tell me the odds. Whatever happens, where you go, I go. Yeah. I'll give you guys the the far end of the hall to sort of talk and prepare and choose what you guys are going to do and leave Sharkosa with her kind of crew on this end. You watch as, like, Sharkosa discards her, like, sort of, like, long duster that she wears, and underneath it you see she's got some, like, really, not, like, bulky, but she is toned. She's got, like, rippling muscles like no body fat on her she is she is a lean mean fighting machine pick up your tongue there Annie <laughs> no I'm I'm very um loyal to Maeve I don't know I don't even know where is she hmm. kidding no do well win either way that gets paid today the call goes up to clear the the dueling floor basically Sharkosa sort of stands on one end of the hall gun like at her side holstered uh, coat off rippling muscles and Ruffy is gonna set up essentially here too 
and then anyone who doesn't want to be shot probably shouldn't stand in the middle. Either stand on one far side or the other. All right, Rafi, before I leave you, we remember our numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's how it goes. All right? What? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Should not count in. <laughs> the, the paces, all right? You, you, you count your paces, and then you, on the tenth pace, that's when you turn. Not before, especially not after. Annie, have you seen it all? That's only in stories. All right, well, I'm rooting for you. So we are going to be running this with the uh, the dual subsystem that Pathfinder 2E does offer. So the the real thing with, with duels is, is limited participants, right? You two are going to be rolling initiative, but initiative is re-rolled every round of combat instead of just once it's beginning and back and forth. So each round is its own initiative roll. You can choose to roll initiative with either perception, deception, or intimidation for each round. And it does unlock certain skills and reactions you can do. I don't know if that's too complicated since neither one of us have ever run the system. If you want to dip into that far or if you just want to essentially run it as is. But if you, they are there if you want to dip into those reactions for whatever reason. All right. That being said, you can choose to roll. Like, you know, there's this really tense moment as Ruffy and Sharkosa, the room grows like quiet, the sort of murmuring of the crowd going around. They've both got that gun tucked away. You know, within duels, you start with your weapon holst- like holstered. And there's like this stare down as both of them are just like intensely waiting for someone to make the first move and reacting. I think I'll use perception for this first one. Sharkosa is also using perception so go ahead and roll first round initiative Charcosa right. with a eight what's Ruffy gonna end up with happy new year no a, uh, three on the dice for a total of 17 on Ruffy let me change these dice Ruffy you, you're outdrawn in the duel so so here's the actual interesting part right this duel is about to go and like Refi, like it's always like kind of like it, it never works in real life like it does in the movies. Like, you, of course, you're just gonna draw and shoot first. There's no like timer. There's no signal. It's just who's gonna draw first, right? But like, <laughs> yeah, points his pistol at the sky. But in this case, there's this tense moment, and she almost looks like she's gonna go for her weapon, which causes you to go for yours, even though you make the first move, sort of. She's so fast that she goes for her weapon. She's reacting to you going for your weapon and she's got it out even before you're ready. In fact, she's using the ability that she has that is actually pretty pretty mean here. It's called Quickest Draw. Sharkosa is aware of at least one of her enemies and not flat-footed. And she, the trigger is she rolls for initiative as a reaction. She's allowed to draw and make a ranged strike just for rolling initiative. So she is blazing fast. She is no doubt the quickest gun here, Ruffy. And so mm-hmm. as her reaction, she draws and shoots her dueling pistol at you. A 15 on the dice, 31 total is a hit. <laughs> and she hits you for 10 points of concussive damage. That was just a reaction. 
Okay, now she has her turn. So, she... I think what she does is she then uses an action to reload her pistol. And you actually watch as she goes into her belt and she pulls out. She pulls out a nice, solid golden bullet and she, like, locks it into her weapon and reloads it with a golden bullet. Then she uses her second action to stride forward about 10 feet as she's, like, closing in on you, Refi. And her third action will be to... Wait, how far was she when she started? She's not, she can't close the whole distance. No, she's not that fast. Yeah, she'll, she'll go the five feet and then let me just see something real quick. Don't think she, yeah, you know what? Just, she's just going to target and she's going to shoot a second time with her, um, I guess this would be map. Yeah. Ooh, two on the dice. 13 makes this a critical miss. Don't know if you have anything that reacts on critical misses, but that's the end of Sharkosa's draw. She gets, she's the, she's quick on the draw. She gets one shot on you. She places a blast. Refi, she is freaking fast. Now it's your turn. I give a smile, a bit of appreciative nod as a bit of blood running down from the wound. I'll draw my pistol as a reaction. Fast, but not as fast as drawing it on a reaction to rolling initiative and making a strike. Yeah, and then I will close the distance as a free action, striding toward an enemy that I can see. I'm just going to strike, shoot her. So I kind of run up and using kind of almost like gun kata in equilibrium. Strike with... Very nice, 30 is a hit. It's a 30. And I for an eye. 10 damage. Yep, and not for an eye, 10 for 10. And uh, she's now flat-footed to my melee strike. And I'm going to use Reloading Strike. So I'll strike her at map. Ooh, that's a natural 20. That's a critical hit. Who knew after all this time you'd still be so good at Pathfinder? Ooh, and oh my. max damage! <laughs> 34 points. And so, so we'll start with 34 points of damage. Ouch. And then Sharkosa has to make a fortitude saver, be slowed one. Two on the dice for 17. You clock her upside the head, and she becomes slowed one. Losing one of her actions. All right. I crits in chat for that one. That's only two actions. I guess I'll just... You know what? Third action... Yeah, cover fire. So she either has to duck and get plus two circumstance bonus and take a negative two to her range attacks, or I get a plus one circumstance bonus to that strike. So it it's only affects her ranged attacks? So plus two circumstance bonus against your attack. You know what? She'll take cover for the plus two AC. And the minus two to range attacks. So I'll well, I will strike up. at third map. It misses, but I was expecting it to miss. Yeah, that'll be a critical miss. Alright. Is that all your actions? Those all three? All three, yeah. Alright, so we're going into round two, which means we reroll initiative. And, uh, 
I think I'll use intimidation this time. Yeah, that's that seems to check out. Yeah. She's gonna roll with deception this time. So she re-rolls to a 33. And you re-roll to a 21. Close, but no cigar. So she still goes first on the next one I count. But she, but she only has two actions thanks to the slowed condition. So you, she looks dazed, and you've come in, and you've done this flurry of blows on her. She half respects it, and as she she feels a little woozy, and she's got the, the sort of, like, pistol, her pistol's not even loaded right now. As you come and strike, you see, like, her left hand, like, goes into, like, a fist, and she uses an ability she has, which is, takes two actions, and it's called one-two punch. And so she's allowed to make three melee strikes with her knuckle duster, like like a flurry back at you. Each one does count as a map. It's just, you know, she can make three for two. So her first strike. I think they're masked a little off with that, with what it's called. One, two, three punch. <laughs> so 31 is a hit. So that's 14 points of damage. Then it's a map attack with the second one. 18 is a miss. That's a miss. And then a map attack on the last one. 19 on the dice for 27, so that's another hit. But minimum damage, I guess. Double ones, 12 damage. It was like, bam, bam, bam. She gets you with three, two out of the three strikes, bringing you down pretty low. Like she's, She packs a mean punch up close as well. That was all three of her actions. First action, I will do reloading strike. Even though you haven't fired yet, you're just reloading strike. You're just like flipping bullets and it's smacking her. No, I did fire. Cover fire was my last action. Right, you did. Cover fire was the action. So that is a miss. I'm going to use a hero before, point. Before I forget, when she punches you, there's another effect on her on each strike that hit that I forgot about. For the first strike that you, she hit, I need you to make a fortitude save. 24, success. So you're unaffected. And also for the second one that hit, you need to make a fortitude save on that one too. 17 is a failure. You actually become confused. The confused condition, you're flat-footed. No one is treated as your ally. Um, you have to use all your actions to strike or cast offensive cantrips. As long as you focus, you know, you can go ahead and continue to attack Charcosa. 28. Hits. Hits. You did deception, so you can do deceptive sidestep. I did perception. Oh, perception, never mind which is sense weakness. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so that's a hit. So she will roll damage. That's 17 points of damage. And then I need you to make a fortitude save against the, the concussive fist. A 21 is a failure, so you're going to be confused again. I think I'll use a hero point. Okay. Probably a good time to use one if you got one. Oh, that's one of those hero points that makes it worse, but luckily not critically That's all my worse. hero points. That's all my hero points. Literally every time. She did, on her first turn, she did draw, shoot, reload, step forward. I remember, she has she has a, a shot chambered, a golden bullet, right? I believe so. So, with her second, her second shot, as she sees you woozy, she will sort of step around the other side of you. And then she will draw the her weapon with the chamber golden shot, and she'll use her map attack to try to uh, to shoot you with the golden shot. 
Okay, I uh, I hit the dirt. Ooh. See that reaction? You fling yourself out of harm's way. You leap. So leap allows you to jump up to ten, 10 feet horizontally. Is your speed 30 feet? 25. Okay, so you can jump 10 feet in any horizontal direction that you wish as a reaction. You jump away from her, getting a plus two super test bonus to your AC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me put that in real quick. Yeah, and you'll land prone after your leap. So I'm assuming like the leap happens. You're not prone until after the leap happens, so... Okay, I'll roll the map. So you're flat-footed, which would hit the 20. So your AC is normally 24. It's down to 22 because you're flat-footed, but it goes back up to 24 because you leapt and got the plus your circumstance bonus, which means the 23 doesn't hit. It just misses. Yep. Oh, wait. Nope. Sorry. She's using her golden bullets, which gives her a plus one circumstance bonus to the strike. Oh, no, it's only against targets with lesser cover and rank greater cover this isn't technically cover yeah no it misses the bullet flies Ruffy jumps out of the way and like sort of like matrix dodges the bullet as it goes like right right past him and he misses and she kind of curses uh you land prone mm-hmm. but that is her all three of her actions bring it on i stand up so i step i shoot oh boy that's a critical hit this could be dangerous. Oh, such low rolls. Yeah, but she's near death. She makes a fortitude save. And succeeds. Do you yield? There is this moment where she's she's like freaking near death. Like she is She's near death. Refi's actually pretty low, but not quite near death. She's like stunned at this revelation. And you can see that her her sort of wet gun hand is like shaking just a little bit, and you see her like kind of like raising it, like she's gonna like shoot it again. And you think there might be a moment where she's about to go into like another round of combat, and she just like lets the weapon fall, and like in slow motion, it sort of clangs to the floor against her feet. She does indeed yield. Right? There's some some amazing. I Some amazing, uh, pistol twirl my dueling pistol back into the holster and then I hold out my hand to help her up. She's not actually down. No, I know. I'm just, it's <laughs> okay. for the moment. So, yeah, you're so in this like sort of slow motion thing, like Ruffy, like you reach out, you're trying to like help her, like steady herself, and she like appreciates that. In this, in this sort of slow motion victory, right, we pan over, we see like Saru. Ruffy, Anita, or Saruk, Hal, Anita. What are you guys doing watching, like, Ruffy in this sort of, like, one-on-one duel? Like, has taken out Sharkosa single-handedly. I think Saruk is just thoughtfully, like, watching the exchange back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then when it lands as it does, there's just this kind of, like, slow and thoughtful nod, or, like, the the nod one gives when a scenario goes exactly the way you expected it to. I think you see a little bit of disappointment in Hal's eyes that Reficule was successful because he turned to the dark side then there might have been a different ending to the story. <laughs> Anita was 
just a hype woman for Ruffy the entire time. So every time he had like a good hit, Anita and Wiber, Wiber would have been like dancing as a robot. And then Anita would have just been yelling. Damn. Yeah. I was confused. I could have shot at Ambrose. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to minimize collateral damage when you're confused in a duel. Like just randomly picking people in the room and blasting at them. That would have been funny, but probably not conducive to the conductive. So yeah, so there's this motion there's this slow motion, Annie and Wiper's doing the like cheer. All the focus is on you and them and you can see the gilded gunners are kinda like completely taken aback that you can go toe-to-toe with Sarcosa and stand up and, and hold your own, but you know, they respect the rules of the duel, none of them are trying to interfere there's a, a sort of polite sort of like clap and a cheer for like the camaraderie and you're like kind of gripping and kind of steadying her and like help her keep her balance as you guys sort of like shake hands she looks at you kind of out of breath, blood trickling down her face and she says the deal's the deal, a reficule are maybe not the fastest gun, but certainly one of the toughest motherfuckers. Hi. Let it be known, I might have won the duel. There's no doubt who's the fastest gun in Alkenstar, and I lift up Sharkos's hand. Yeah, you lift up Sharkos's hand and turn, and everyone's cheering. So, here's what happens here, right? There's like in the slow motion, everyone's cheering, everyone's doing this like camaraderie thing. Mugland is sitting there. He's got his like hands like tied behind his back. He's watching the whole thing sort of unfold. He looks kind of wide-eyed at the situation, knowing, realizing that what's about to be happened is he's about to be handed over to you guys. He does a sort of look to his side and gives like the slightest of nods. And the sort of guard that's been guarding him outside his jail cell this whole time looks down at him. And there's a slow motion that nobody notices with all this going on. He kind of like reaches under his coat and he tosses a tiny little halfling sized pistol and Muglin sort of pulls his hands back that has been untied this whole time and grabs his dueling pistol and in one smooth motion aims it right at Reficule and then just a little bit to the right and pulls the trigger and shoots at Sharkosa 